Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation with a new colleague, Dawn Barclay. Dawn, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to have you here. It's going to be a really interesting conversation. We just discovered in the green room, if you will, that we really have kind of complementary focuses in the writing that we do in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation because we're going to kind of dive in a little bit more deeply. You know, this is a podcast for parents of complex kids. And Dawn, your work is really speaking specifically to a very particular area of raising complex kids, which is traveling with complex kids, an issue that comes up for a lot of us, particularly as the summer is approaching, as we're doing this interview. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be doing this work and writing this book. You know, I love that you use complex kids because when I was first writing this book, I called it traveling with the challenging child. And I got a lot of pushback from special needs community who said they're not challenging. Society is challenging. So that's why I came up with the title I did. But you have complex, which is perfect. Thank you. So, You're welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Too late, too late. Um, yeah. So I grew up in a travel family. I was uh, the daughter of the owners of a big travel agency in Manhattan. So I was traveling from the age of two. I wasn't about to give that up when I had my complex children. I had spent many years working in the travel industry as well as writing for several travel trade publications. And so the last 34 years I've been writing on and off for these publications. And like I said, I wasn't ready to stop traveling. And when I looked for this book, it didn't exist. So I started writing it. I started interviewing back in the early 2000s. I interviewed Dr. Tony Atwood, who is huge in ASD. I interviewed Dr. Ellen Lippman, who is huge in ADHD. And then I hit a wall because I didn't know where else to go. And it wasn't until an organization called IBCCES, which is the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, came up with a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional that I knew exactly how to write the rest of the book because I interviewed them. Many of them are special needs parents. They introduced me to their uh, clients who are willing to speak to me. And then there was a lot more information on the internet in 2019 than there was back in 2000. So that plus two years with a lot of free time, thanks to a pandemic, I finally got the book done. That's so exciting. And so the focus of the book, so for everybody listening, the book is called Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. So 
anybody listening is very likely to be the parent or professional working with kids who are anxious, inflexible, and in some way, neurodiverse. But you're speaking specifically to, to traveling with these complex kids. And just the other thing I just got to throw out is that I grew up in a travel agency family too. Oh, really? We never talked about earlier. Um, not quite in the same way, but my grandfather ended up running a travel agency is his kind of last retirement job. And so I used to deliver tickets. Remember when we had tickets? Oh, I used to do that yeah. too. When I first started, I was delivering <laughs> tickets. Yeah. So I used to deliver tickets with him and get to go on trips with them. And, you know, was a going to college with a, with a, you know, business card where I could get upgraded to first grades and first class on occasion. So <laughs> Yeah, those days are over. Familiar with (laughs) so so. What are some of the issues that that you see that you talk about in the book that parents struggle with when it comes to traveling with kids who are inflexible in some way? Well, what I found was that IBCCS did a survey recently of a thousand special needs parents and found that of them, eighty seven percent won't travel. But of those, yeah. 93% would if they knew where to go and what to do when they got there. And what I also found was that the special needs travel tips that I uncovered work for all families, even neurotypical. So that was interesting. The number yeah. one thing that people said kept them from traveling was they were scared what people would think if their child had a sensory meltdown. Were they going to be considered bad parents? Were their children going to be considered brats? There was a lot of talk of that. And then, of course, not knowing where the triggers would be since autism is a sensory issue. And there's so much unknown because, you know, you're taken out of your comfort zone in every aspect of travel. There's nothing predictable. Mm -hmm. So they were scared about where the triggers would be. And so I try to set up the book to talk about how to start small and introduce the concept of travel, how to over prepare and the tip is that you can't overprepare. I had a, you know, had to break down the trip in every aspect, which is what I tried to do by the way the book is laid out and how to create a child centric vacation that revolves around the child's passions and pacing. I'm appreciating everything you're saying. I'm like, okay, I did that. I did that. So so clearly maybe that's why we were able to continue to travel. There was a period of years where it just got, it got too you know, what's interesting is that it got too hard for me as a parent because of what it took to overprepare. Yeah, it's a lot of work and it's months in advance. But the bright light, the silver lining is that once you do it the first time, you've hopefully created a frame of reference and some positive emotional memories that will carry over to future trips. Of course, every trip is different, just like every child is different. But I, I talk about how to start small and even create mini experiences. So there's some predictability mm-hmm. and there's uh, some making of the unfamiliar familiar so that when you move forward, it will be easier to start. But you know, what, what strikes me is that part of the reason so those of us who love to travel do is because it's unpredictable and because you don't know what's gonna be around that corner and it's about exploration. So how do you how do you integrate that with kids who may not be interested in exploration? Yeah, by introducing things early. So you and I might say, oh, it's going to be so exciting. Kids like routine. They like predictability, as I'm sure you know. So 
how do you start small? How do you introduce the concept of travel, especially when you've probably got a lot of four-year-olds now who haven't been out of the house or that they can remember because of COVID. So you have this pent up mm-hmm. demand for travel now. You start by creating, you know, get picture books with your, your child's favorite characters in travel situations or create social stories, you know, read up on Carol Gray's social stories and create them for travel. There's even an app that's listed in the book that you can create social stories on the fly. Uh, So tell us what a social story is. It is a narrative from the child's point of view that will cover various aspects of whatever you're going to, whatever you want to talk about. So for a trip, say to Florida, you might talk about who they might run into, what the what the activities might be, the fact that their parents will always be there with them no matter what, and some experiences they can look forward to that that you know they might enjoy. And of course, the social story is going to depend on your child too, but Carol Gray has books that will describe all of how to do this in depth. Um, role-playing is important. Videos of every aspect of the trip are available either on YouTube or from the suppliers. And as I said, creating these mini experiences. So what's that all about? Instead of spending thousands on a hotel for a week, why not go to a friend's house or a relative's house for a night and see what the child is going to experience being sleeping out of their own bedroom. So that's Mm -hmm. going to show you where the triggers are. And so you might know that you should travel with your own sheets and blankets that have the familiar texture and uh, smell of home, or you might bring your own toiletries, or you might need a fan to drown out the noise from the hallway or their favorite toys or a, a lamp, whatever it is that your child needs to feel comfortable for camping. Maybe you set up a tent in the backyard and experience that. Mm-hmm. So really, it's going through the process of all of the different steps. And we do a lot of work around process, focus on process instead of outcome. Uh The trip is the outcome in this situation. And what you're saying is you have to look at every step of the process along the way and experience it, expose the kids to some aspect of it and begin to identify areas where it kind of is going smoothly and areas where you may run into some trouble. Absolutely. And think of where the triggers might be. So you can create backup plans for how you're going to handle them. I know this is not your realm, but because I know who's listening, any thoughts on on when you've got adults who have neurodiversity themselves and planning may not be their strong point? What's your suggestion on on how and I'm going to own that, how we can (laughs) can use these tips and strategies? I would just follow the book and see where they can help you as well. I mean, I don't know how to help people who who don't have the organizational skills to handle this for their children. I would say reach out to a mental health professional who might be able to work with them. Okay. So one of the things you're saying is that to really travel differently, it helps a lot to have some level of organization and to prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah. Break it down, figure out every aspect. Also look into pacing. You're not going to try to cram five things into a day the way you might have before you had children. You might want to do one or two things in a day and then spend the rest of the day by the pool or whatever the child would like to do. I spoke to one person who said, 
uh, she was taking her niece to a science museum and the child was from the country. It had never been to the city and had never seen an escalator before. And all the child wanted to do is ride up and down on the escalator. escalator. And so she did that. And the child remembers that as like the greatest afternoon. So you have to be flexible. And, you know, and see what the child likes. One of the things I I talk about in creating a child centric vacation is play on the child's passions and interests. So autistic children with autism have tons of specialized interests, whatever they might be. They might spend 26 hours a week just talking about them or studying them. So why not build a trip around them? And so in the book, I list all of the special interests that I could think of after speaking to various parents and then where in the country they could experience whether they want a train museum or an insectarium or a dinosaur museum or whatever their interest is. Yeah. I have this very strong memory of of taking the family to Costa Rica and we went to a bat museum, a frog museum, a butterfly museum. It was like every single thing we did was, was outdoors in nature playing to there. And those were the tourist things to do, but I was not, you know, and the other piece is, is sort of dancing with here's what you're interested in. Here's what I'm interested in. Let's let's get us all and let's make sure everybody gets something we like. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that if the child has something to in, that, uh, to look forward to that's designed, especially for him or her, it's going to make the more mundane aspects of the trip more bearable because they have something to look forward to. Yeah. So how do you talk about having the family kind of work together? We we would call it collaborative collaboratively. Do you bring the kid into the process of planning in any way? The parents I spoke to absolutely do. What they might do is decide on two or three options of where they want to go all approved by you, and then leave it up to the child to pick. Also what you're going to do during each day Give them some choices, get some buy-in, let them help pack their clothes, let them help pick the clothes to pack, let them have a backpack if they can handle it that has the special things that they need and they want so that they have some ownership over the trip and a vested interest in its success. Yeah. And that's, it's so consistent with, with everything that we talk about at Impact Parents is that a lot of these kids, they're anxious and inflexible because they feel out of control. And so the more that we can give them a sense of control, and that's really what I'm hearing from you, that's, you know, ownership buy-in is all about giving them a sense of being able to control some part of their destiny. Right. And that's why experiencing aspects of the trip ahead of time also gives them some ownership because they know what to expect. So speak to that a little bit more. Give me an example. Well, like I said before, that knowing what it's going to be like to sleep away from home, there's programs at airports like Wings with Autism will let you experience the whole airport process from arriving at the airport all the way up to boarding. So you get to try that. There are specialized cruises for people with autism and other special needs. We'll, We'll know how to work with the child. So those are things like you could preview that online or they, a lot of theme parks will send you sensory guides and make mm-hmm. them available so you know where to go in the park that'll be more quiet. There's so much that you can get ahead of time. Even just a restaurant, you can preview the menu online and yeah. either rule out a, a, you know, a restaurant that's not going to serve what your child wants or pick the foods ahead of time. You can even order them ahead of time so that they're mm-hmm. waiting for the child when you get there. 
I have the strong memory of being at Disney. This is, we were gluten-free before gluten-free was cool and um, before anybody had ever heard of it. And so it was still a lot of work to try to eat anywhere out. Yeah. And that ability to kind of navigate that was important to be able to know where it was safe, where my kid was going to feel safe. Yep. And that's really what I hear you describing. Talk a little bit more because I hear a lot of parents on these issues of theme parks or Disney or whatever, whatever it is in your arena. Talk a little bit about how they accommodate complex kids and what parents might want to look for there. Yeah, more restaurants. More and more um, theme parks and water parks are getting accredited. Um, IBCCES has the CAC designation, which is the Certified Autism Center designation. There are other ones that just are autism, calling themselves autism friendly, which is something that you really have to investigate on your own to make sure it'll work with your child because autism friendly can meet a lot of different things, different people. Yeah, like gluten friendly. I'm yeah. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. So the CAC designation indicates a certain level of um, consistency across the board with hours and hours of study of what can happen for your child, what the sort of things that the staff has studied, the fact that they have uh, sensory maps or special check-in or the ability to not have you stand online because you can get a special pass or even that you can keep your stroller with you if the child is subject to eloping. Uh, You know, different parks have different things that they do. I heard that at SeaWorld, they have signage that will tell you beyond this point, this is how it's going to smell. So if the child doesn't wow. want to smell what it smells like near the seals, he or she can weigh, do I really want to feed the seals badly enough that I'm going to endure the smell? Mm-hmm. Right. And that goes back to their buy-in and their engagement and their choice. Yeah. And what I'm really hearing, so I suspect there's some parents listening who are feeling like, yeah, it doesn't sound like much of a vacation. Yeah, I get it. And so that's why it's great that there are places that the whole resort is set up for you. So example is Beaches, which is in Turks and Caicos and also in Jamaica. And it's a part of Sandals, which I'm sure many people have heard of. So this is set up Mm -hmm. for families. They were the first advanced certified autism centers. They've gone above and beyond to make families comfortable. And they have kids clubs where the people are trained to work with people on the spectrum. So you can spend some time with your significant other while the child is being taken care of there. The same Um, thing with the major cruise lines. They also have programs set up so that you can spend some time on your own and the child can be in a kid's club. And I list a lot of different places like that, as well as sports vacations that are specifically geared for children on the spectrum, but neurotypical people could enjoy them too. So individual sports like golf, like skiing, like scuba, like horseback riding on a dude ranch, all of those I list and I talk about where you can go so that everybody can have a good time. And these are uh, sports that do not involve a lot of interaction as a team, but you can improve on your own time, you know. Got it. So there is planning, there is pre-planning, there's planning, there's pre-planning, there's there's kind of having many experiences and then kind of testing the waters, getting buy-in, getting involvement. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of pieces. Yes, those of you listening, there's some executive function involved. And so you may need some support or you may need to enroll someone to work with you to help you 
anticipate and really think through the process. And, and it sounds like there may be some resources for you in Dawn's book as well. Well, Yes. Also certified autism travel professionals who have taken lots of training to be able to help you or the people I interviewed. And this is what they do. And I list um, a bio for everyone that I interviewed in the book and then how to find them and others. So they can put it together for you if you tell them what your needs are. So I guess what I want to do before I ask people for you to tell people how they can find out more about this is to extrapolate. So this, it sounds like this book was largely written for kids on the autism spectrum and it speaks about neurodiversity. So, and a lot of what you've said would speak also quite well to kids with ADHD, anxiety, other depression, some of these other issues. And yet there's something else that happens in the ADD world with that hyperactivity piece that or the distractibility piece. Um, is there anything else that you might say that might speak more directly to, to other realms of neurodiversity besides autism? I do do explanations of the various other syndromes and uh, disabilities. And a lot of it was in conditions. Yeah. Yeah. It really all had the similar issues uh, for the children who need the high STEM. I find that there's the ones who really like the theme parks and water parks. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so I list so many different types that I think you'd find something, a lot of it is going to be trial and error, but I did find that there was a lot of symptoms uh, that were universal with the anxiety. I'm thinking about a conversation I had earlier today with, with somebody um, and we were talking about individualized resources and individualized support. And really what I'm hearing you describe is the importance to individualize your trip to the needs of your family and your kids and to make sure that you're you're anticipating what their needs will be so that you can address them. And if you have multiple kids, that may mean anticipating more issues and kind of narrowing in to find something that's going to work for everybody. Totally. And that's why I really do urge anybody who reads my book and looks at maybe 15% of the book are the places you can go as opposed to the strategies you can use. And with the places you can go, call them and do your due diligence and make sure that what they offer is right for your child and offer also when they offer it is when you're going to be in town. There might be a museum that has a sensory afternoon one day a month. Make sure it's the day you're in town. So yeah, it's great. Don't take everything I've listed as gospel. Double check. Yeah, that's fabulous. So so once again, Dawn, your book is? Uh, Traveling Different. Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. And we've got a link to it in the show notes so that you'll be able to access it. And whether whether you're listening to this during pre-order time or post-order time, you'll be able to, to access it directly from the show notes. Also, I have a website called travelingdifferent.com, and that will update the book. And have some additional stories uh, that were not in the book. So it's worth checking as well. Travelingdifferent.com. Right. One L. And again, <laughs> yeah, right. And again, all of this will be in the show notes for you. So Don, thank you for, for being here, for doing this work and for providing this resource. I think it's going to be amazing for a lot of parents. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on today or anything you want to kind of wrap up? Uh, just to not have expectations of the fact that even if you go to the happiest place on earth, don't expect it to always be the happiest place on earth. It, you know, this is all trial and error. Give yourself a break, you know, and, and realize that it might not be perfect this time, but also, 
you will be able to order the book online or in bookstores. And my email address is in the book. If I, you find that I've opened up the world to you in any way, or if you find things that you've experienced that are different than what I've written, please write to me because you might end up in the blog or in an upcoming future edition. Fabulous. So last question for you. Do you have any final quote or motto that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, when I was pregnant with my first child, I was told that every mother is entitled to 2000 mistakes. And I think uh-huh. that's very, uh, <laughs> very helpful. I'm sure I exceeded my quota. I, say, I think 2000 <laughs> is not quite a generous enough quota, but, yeah, but it does, <laughs> it does make you realize that no one's perfect and you're doing the best that you can. Love it. Thank you. My guest has been Don Barr, who's written a book on traveling different vacation strategies for parents of the anxious, the inflexible, and the neurodiverse. And thank you for being here with us. And to those of you listening, thank you for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make an enormous difference. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.